Hello everybody, John here delivering this week's trigger warning. So this episode has instances of suicide, so if that is something that is triggering for you, please note that the new suicide prevention hotline is now 988. Again, that is 988 for the suicide prevention hotline, if that is something that is triggering for you. And please remember that as our listeners, you are not alone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another riveting edition of Under the Floorboards, where we laugh at the creatures that go bump in the night. I am your host, John, joined as always by my beautiful co-host, Eric. Eric, how are you this week? Fabulous. I know, feeling jacked up, super excited for everyone. I hope you've already listened to our Malum Slam piece that Mm -hmm. we did for people that don't know how to read, Uh, (laughs) because... There was just so much that we absolutely fucking loved about this movie, so we're super fucking excited to talk about it. Now today. we can talk about it. Yeah. We're not just making fun of people. <laughs> now we're making fun of a movie that we love. Right. <laughs> Back in the saddle again. Dude, I'm telling you. And it's nice, too, because, like, as much as we've enjoyed doing the minisodes and such, it was just kind of one of those things where, like, I don't know. We. We had a lot of fun, but it doesn't feel like our format, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for those of you who have listened to us for a while now, uh, there are going to be some format changes coming soon, but it's really just for your viewing pleasure. It's not going to be anything crazy. It's just something to make the listening experience more uh, enjoyable, especially now that like we've kind of hit the point where like we have, you know, good recording equipment mm-hmm. and we're about to build the pod loft mm-hmm. and we're about to like oh girl dude i'm telling yeah. you but our neighbor's about to hear <laughs> like actually they're not gonna hear us because i'm soundproofing the That's bitch what i'm saying <laughs> we're gonna like, get away with so oh! many <laughs> 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 we're gonna get away with so much crime in this pod loft <laughs> so, so much crime <laughs> you know how much crime we did <laughs> in uh, the pod loft <laughs> yeah so no surprise to anybody we will be reviewing Malum, Malum today. Uh, really fucking enjoyed this movie. Uh, we'll get into our first impressions here in just a second. But Eric, would you like to give us our itinerary Let's for this movie? Fucking go! It is good to be back on itinerary duty, especially because I can pronounce all of these names. <laughs> this film came out this year, which, if you're listening into the far future, is 2023. Clocking in at that sweet, sweet one hour and 32 minutes. I do want to emphasize the fact that this movie is rated. 18 plus on imdb whatever I the fuck that don't means. know what that means nc-17 need not apply right <laughs> we've got jessica sula as jessica lauren i never put that together that they have the same first name clever writing <laughs> molly peyton white as monica matthews natalie victoria as marigold monroe klein as betty kevin wayne as nate candace coke as diane candace coke fit in your slurpee <laughs> feel free to cut that out clark <laughs> Can this Coke be done off that mirror? <laughs> See, I was so G-rated with that. I was I was in C minus 18 on that one, and you took it. <laughs> Clark Wolf as uh, Dorothea. Dorothy, perhaps. I can't read. Sam Brooks as Officer Price. Valerie Liu as Anna Cole. Cheney Morrow. What, what? What, what? As John Mallon himself. 
Morgan Lennon is Kitty. Britt George is Officer Grip Cohen. Grip Cohen sounds like a fucking, like, 88, like, 1988 fucking action hero. Yo, it's Grip Cohen on the case. I think it's a split between that and, like, New Age Porn Star. There you go. Grip Cohen. <laughs> Grip Cohen. <laughs> Y'all don't know about Leonard Cohen's unreleased music. Anybody Y'all don't know about that grip. <laughs> Mary, Mary O'Neill as Officer O'Brien. Christopher Matthew as Officer Hudson. Megan Maisie as Lemon Drop. Erica, or sorry, Erica. I did it to myself. Eric Olson as Will Lauren. Macedonia Alexis as the cult singer. And Danielle Coyne as Birdie. That is where the list stops. So that is where mm-hmm. Eric stops. Do want to mention that this is directed and written by Anthony DeBlasi with a co-writer credit for Scott Poiley. Right. So if you have listened to our Malum episode already, you probably, if you didn't know beforehand now know that what Malum is is a reimagining of a movie that I love from 2014 called Last Shift. Yeah. And some people called it a shot-for-shot shot remake. I don't think that's really true at all. Fundamentally disagree. It, it is a plot-for-plot plot remake with an expansion of that. And yeah. another thing a lot of people said was that this was a movie that dragged and there was a point eric made in the last episode that it's actually impossible to put more story and more plot and it be slower when it's in the same time frame in but, less time but yeah nevertheless but, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. this movie was three minutes mm-hmm. shorter mm-hmm. than last shift have you ever read a book faster that was bigger than the original book i've never read a book, book fast okay cool <laughs> Yeah, man, there's a lot that I feel like we unpacked in the previous episode, and this is up to you. I'm going to pitch this to you now with you having the freedom to edit this out if you choose to. <laughs> um, I would like to spend as much time talking about Malum as you would, but I would also like to spend as much time as possible continuing to emphasize the points in which this movie is superior to last <laughs> Because I want to drive home the Absolutely. point that a 5.1 on IMDb is criminal for what I consider 100%. to be one of my top 25 movies in the horror genre of all time. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Dropping that there. I know that's an unpopular opinion. Feel free to disagree with me. I don't personally care. That's cool. I'm on the mic. Yeah. You're listening to your car. Or your check headphones. one, two, check one, that's two. That's what I'm saying. The microphone's about to explode. Shatter in the mold. Even yeah. drop the, the fuck off the commode with the. So, Eric, what was your first impression? Because actually, you have an interesting uh, aspect for this because you saw Malum before first. Last Shift. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had. Um, I'm not a person that scares easily. I've been through trauma and things like that that have um, given me jumps and given me goosebumps and given me moments of clarity in which that I uh, have been able to discern that I am in a state of immediate like danger and I am experiencing real raw terror. Okay, mm-hmm. horror movies generally do not do this for me. In this case, I will say for the pa- like I would say through the back half of like the second act on into the third act, I'm rocking goosebumps for an honest forty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those movies for me that is equal parts cerebral and very much believable in the sense that these kind of cult characters do exist in the world. One hundred percent. There are these societies of like police that are sort of apprehensive about approaching these cult leaders for the sake of like maintaining the status quo and Mm -hmm. shit like that um 
And anytime you can bridge the gap between something believable and something that is as unbelievable as like demonic possession and like low god shit and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing that this movie all hail into, to the low god. Right? Um, I think you've got something really cool, especially when this is kind of one of those things where you have a main character who is in this on her own. Mm-hmm. This is an experienced thing from the main character's perspective, and everything that's happening could be real, could be not. It's up to the viewer to ultimately decide what's really happening mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And for me, that makes for a great watching experience because I feel like as a viewer I'm also in on this alone mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that sends chills up my spine especially when we're giving informa- given information in very small doses mm-hmm. which this movie does really well mm-hmm. I think the jump scares are effective I think the plot movement and the plot like the story in general is excellent I think the cinematography is excellent I think the um, overarching themes are excellent and I just really can't say enough about this movie yeah um we'll save more for the final thoughts I yeah. guess <laughs> because I feel like I just gave mine yeah. <laughs> but that's where I'm at on this one again having seen this movie first and last shift immediately mm-hmm. following so uh so for me like I loved last shift i think i watched it i watched it pre-covid so i was a little late to the party i think i watched it in like 2018 2019 something like that Mm. um and i was like i love this concept i really loved the cinematography i loved the spooky aspect of Mm -hmm. it because usually i mean for our listeners like you already know that i'm not really one for like the kind of shit the whole time and last shift i thought did that really well and they kind of portrayed a lot of ideas like again it was culty it was nightmarishy it was all of the ease but <laughs> sick but, reference yeah right yeah. Uh, but what i loved about malum in comparison is it's not just the budget that we got for this correct it was because honestly like I don't know what the comparative budget is off the top of my head, if I'm being totally honest with you, but it was one of those things where the budget with the last one, they still had a lot of up-and-coming stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, our our Black Canary, for the Correct. CW yeah. fans out there, was our lead role in one of her earliest mm-hmm. roles. Um, and, and I just think that that was so fun along the way. And I kind of feel that way about Malum, is it kind of took the same plot but expanded into these ideas that we fucking love, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm we're sluts for story. Sure. We are absolute sluts for story. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest difference is it's not that there wasn't enough story in Last Shift, mm-hmm. but there was enough refinement in Malum where we got this is the low God. We got in a, like in and I was I won't get too deep into it because I talked to Eric about it a little bit earlier today. But the person who played the original cult leader who didn't have a name, who we would assume is Malum Mm -hmm. or John Malum, Mm -hmm. uh, in this one being portrayed by Chaney Morrow, Mm -hmm. they they were night and day differences in the portrayal because the first one was very like Manson-esque and I am the bringer of chaos. And it's not that Chaney Morrow didn't have that. But it was more of that refined preacher, like, I'm drawing you in for the God before I, us. I also got kind of man-behind-the-curtain vibes between oh, yeah. that one versus a very front-and-center, visceral, mm-hmm. physical threat. Kind of yeah. that, you know. Because I think in Last Shift, they didn't know how to 
portray that character the same way. Right. And I think that's really what it kind of came down to. The best analogy that I can come up with between comparing these two movies is imagine uh, two illustrations, one being in black and white and the the other one being in color. Mm -hmm. Effectively, they're the same thing on paper, Mm -hmm. right? One has a lot more depth to it (laughs) than the other. (laughs) And I'm sorry if that's kind of trite or like, a, a lousy comparison or whatever, but to me, it's just one of those things where there are definitely um, opportunities. The the bigger the budget gets, and the longer. I mean, you mm-hmm. as a writer understand this aspect too. Like the longer you sit with the story, generally speaking, the better the story becomes. You have yeah. more time to expand on it. It doesn't matter if you think it's ready now. Go ahead and put that shit out now, right? Exactly. But the longer you spend with it, the more time you have. Like ah, I would have done this differently. Ah, I would have expanded on this a little bit more. I would have added this layer. I would have added this ending or whatever. And you create kind mm-hmm. of a bigger landscape, right? And that's what this movie was. Yeah. Was it was just a bigger landscape. Mm-hmm. So getting into the world that has been recreated by Anthony De Blasi, mm-hmm. let's fucking jump into it because uh, we kind of start off with. Uh, Honestly, what feels like one of our favorites is the found footage aspect. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I thought was really fucking cool about this movie was they would just like keep changing the styles of camera. Mm -hmm. Like you'd go from like 4K to like a 90s camcorder Mm -hmm. to like your cell phone. (laughs) And it was just this really cool mix of like. Uh, there, it was very obvious that it was like a sacrifice <laughs> that was happening, you know, very, very Manson ask, very like, we're the daughters of Madam, <laughs> right? Involved, um, but yeah, a bunch of girls get got. This is kind of one of those cult mm-hmm. killing things where we grab a group of people all at once and like kind of systematically eliminate mm-hmm. them one by one, presumably at this point, anyway, right? Sure, totally. Yeah. We, we get the, the news that certain girls or said girls have been abducted i think they had about three Mm -hmm. um because what was really cool was they used the same names as the girls that were abducted from last shift yeah um and and again like for me that's really cool Mm because it's like he could have changed it but instead it's like drops you right back into that world you're familiar with exactly like it was comfortable to get it (laughs) well now it sounds gross I like it here. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is fine. (laughs) It's like Sam coming back to the Shire. There's three bodies hanging from the tree. Ah, I made it. (laughs) (laughs) He like high fives Pippin's foot. (laughs) Because everybody knows Pippin's in that that tree somewhere. Oh, totally. Totally. We get into like this whole getting dropped back into the world and we kind of meet with... uh, Will Lauren, who is played by Eric Olson, mm-hmm. who notably, I will say, does have a different storyline as far as like what we discover about him. He's not a character in Last Shift, but he's the same idea. He's the same mm-hmm. plot point. He's the same story. Hero cop. Exactly. Yeah. He's the hero cop who just winds up being tainted that you can tell in the beginning of this. And this is like one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen because it's so like... Anything that's like super reactionary slapstick mm. is just, just incredible to me because there's like this conversation that's going on. We have discovered by this point that um, Will Lauren was like the hero cop. He saved, I think, the some uh, of the girls. I think he actually saved three. Yeah, because there were a Two bunch thirds. of girls that died. <laughs> so I, I think he saved one because mm-hmm. there was one name that kept coming back. 
And it's the same one that they wind up abducting later. Betty is the primary one. And in fact, by my understanding, Betty is the only one that actually died. Yeah. Is that he came home with two out of the three girls, Mm -hmm. effectively. So, plus or minus one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're in the... Four, plus or minus one. (laughs) Kill zero. Um, We're in the locker room, and he's having a conversation with Price, who's another officer. Price is... uh, hung up a newspaper clipping of the, his exploits mm-hmm. of, of um him saving the what's his name oh lauren lauren thank yeah. you of lauren's exploits in the field and and everything and he is um clearly experiencing some degree of like like i didn't save them all right yeah and that kind of like i don't really want to celebrate this this isn't something worth celebrating because i didn't get all of them this yeah. is in fact a newspaper clipping of my abject failure mm-hmm. in accomplishing this mission right and it, it's funny you say that too because i i didn't actually pick up on that i think you're 100 percent right mm-hmm. but for me it like I, I felt the evil presence okay. in, 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 in the background. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, but what was really cool was is thinking about that now. It's like, okay, yeah, that actor played that aspect of it really well, mm. but you felt like this death inside of mm. him already. He's far gone at yeah, this point. Kind exactly. Of, yeah. and, and for me, watching Malin the first time was one of those things where I'm thinking to myself, what did he see mm-hmm. while he was there? Right, exactly. Right. And they tell you later. <laughs> Mark that, as yeah. we like to say. <laughs> Go ahead and move into the gun range where two yeah. officers yeah. are having a conversation. Uh, the female officer uh, uh, drops one of my favorite lines. In the, uh, the guy is hitting on her, and she's like, I don't date guys who can't drink more than me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you want to know who Eric's type is, <laughs> this is. <laughs> I would say I don't want my partner to drink more than me. <laughs> Find me a functional alcoholic with conviction, and I'm <laughs> and I'm in. Find me Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> But we have this uh, first really like jump into like the reality of the world that we live in right now where um, the guy, the girl's head explodes. Right. Amazing special right. effect. Right. And splatters. <laughs> There's all no over the cutaway. Dude There's no. <laughs> who, who also is immediately killed for kills number one and two kills number one and fucking two. And I am going to predicate this by, if you haven't paid attention to our trigger warning, this is going to be the moment in which it happens, but we also have kill number three in the form of Officer Lauren Mm -hmm. turning the gun on himself after being approached by the rest of the team with guns drawn and everything, and they're all, you know, to put the gun down! Chill the fuck out, bro! God damn it, Larry! Stop pointing that gun at yourself! And we have kill number three. Kill number fucking three. And the lack of sound, all I could write in my notes was suicide silence. <laughs> Snap uh, back to reality. <laughs> I will say, before before we move on, no problem. That, that it was just like, I love scenes like this with a shotgun. There's just something visceral about it. There's something like, indiscriminate about a shotgun, right? Well, because like, I'm just thinking about the janitor's. Of, yeah. <laughs> of the police yeah, yeah. station, because like, just imagine the dude like picking the mop up against the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just his art was here <laughs> for some reason. We're gonna need more Windex <laughs> <laughs> or Fabuloso. 
but you didn't sponsor us, so we don't have any. So what we actually need is Centia. There you go. <laughs> now that's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> go find that reference, and we'll send you a dollar. <laughs> Um, yeah, or a it, condom. It, you probably need it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. If you would like to be able to support us, some of the best ways to do that are by leaving us a review, preferably a good one, on whatever streaming service you are listening to right now that helps our algorithm and boosts us in, as well as liking or pre-saving our episodes. If you would like to be able to support us directly, the best way to do that is by joining our Patreon, the lowest price at $3 a month, which gives you access to commercial-free, exclusive interviews, bonus episodes, and a plethora of other things. We definitely have other uh, standard levels as well. However, that is, in fact, the cheapest and easiest way to help us. So thank you guys so much for listening today. Either way, thank you for the support. If you'd like to know anything that's coming up event-wise for us, make sure to follow us on Instagram at underthefloorboards5. Again, that's underthefloorboards5. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash under the floorboards see you there enjoy the show <laughs> so anyways we get to this uh the the this uh graveyard scene mm-hmm. and i will say i did get a little bit lost in the timing aspect right. of this movie during this scene because in my head they were showing like because there are pictures that we do get to see while lauren is like looking or officer lauren is looking into his uh locker and it's pictures of like him and his daughter mm-hmm. uh who we're going to meet here in just a second because mm-hmm. she's the one who's like putting was it the toys at his grave it yeah, was the white little, knight some little miniature figures that he was apparently into painting and stuff which is a really dope hobby yeah my warhammer fans out there i was say i think it was like ironically a white knight it was a white knight yeah mm-hmm. um and she's like you know talking to dad about and the the reason i say the timing thing is weird is to me, it felt like they were trying to show us that she was young, but when we jump to the next part, like here, it says one year later. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I guess, in cop school or whatever the fuck you yeah. call it. And and in my head, because this is how I operate when I go to my dad's grave, I don't do it regularly. I do it based on some kind of anniversary event. Sure. Right. And so in my head where the concept that she would start her first shift on uh, the year anniversary of her dad's death was mm-hmm. already super fucking heavy. But I can see the symbolism of day hun- day three hundred and sixty four. I'm here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of because it's also the last shift. I know exactly this, what you're talking yeah. about, about the timing confusion, because that's where my head was when they elaborate on that later on. I was like, wait a minute. Didn't it say one year later after that? <laughs> you know, but anyway, it's whatever. The, the concept being is she's sort of like, hey, I'm joining the force. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow in your footsteps. It's going to be OK. I, I got it from here. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. So she puts the Imperial wizard down on, <laughs> yeah. his, on, on his gravestone. And uh, we start here. We it's funny because she like I, if I remember correctly, she takes a call and then like hangs up because it's her mom. Mm-hmm. And then her mom is like at the graveyard. <laughs> she like walks Just behind her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a level of nurturing in her voice, though. There's yeah, a level, absolutely. There's a level of genuine. Well, we find out that her alcoholism is rampant because mm-hmm. even like you know, uh, the new new and improved officer Lauren Jesse, yeah, 
is very much like, are you fucking drunk right now? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. She like pulls her flask out yes. and just starts drinking. <laughs> Not yet, technically. Yeah. Me? No, this is breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give birth to children who drink less than me. <laughs> and like, I, I really actually kind of like this scene because uh, it's just like, such a scene of humanity where it's like mm-hmm. she knows that her mom is shit faced mm-hmm. and shouldn't be driving anywhere and she's like, All right, bye, I gotta go to my my yeah, uh, yeah. shift. But sort it's sort of like, washing my hands of this, but at the same time, like you're saying. Yeah, she doesn't have the heart to bring her right. mother in. Right. You know. Her mom does make an interesting point where she says that Jessica does not know the whole story. Yes. And there's this immediate like influx of like suspense, right? Or, or mm-hmm. sort of a, a disbelief here, right? Because right. Is it the alcoholic mother that's talking to me right now, or is it somebody that's actually trying to give me information that can help me through this mm-hmm. first shift or the like the grieving process or whatever it may be, right? It's a weird time to bring it up right before work. I yeah. will say that. <laughs> but mark that because it's not. <laughs> So on our way in, uh, we actually have like one of the like it was almost shot like the purge because like she's so weird. Right. She's like slow motion driving in her cop car cruising Mm -hmm. as it were. Yeah. And and she like gets. (laughs) 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 So she get she's getting by uh, City Hall Uh and there's just like people with the creepiest smiles Mm -hmm. And there's blood everywhere. There's cops beating motherfuckers mm-hmm. up on the stairwell. I've, I've got a funny story real quick, if I can tell <laughs> Oh, this. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I had an experience like this once in my life. Oh, yeah. At one time in my oh, life. Oh, yeah. Um, back when I was a youth minister. Oh, God. <laughs> if you guys can believe that Eric, who currently co-hosts Under the Floorboards, was at one point a youth minister. I was. And what we were doing with our high school seniors was taking them to a kind of mountain whitewater rafting retreat sort of weekend thing. I just kind of thought it would be fun. Um, I can see all lighting the candles already. So to get to where we were staying, we had to go across this bridge and damned if it wasn't like Deliverance City, (laughs) you know, where we were because we were just at like the West Virginia border with Virginia. Like we were we were just like right there. I was surprised you you didn't get molested. Right. I'm saying who (laughs) who wouldn't want to molest this face? (laughs) Let us know in the comments. Yeah, Yeah, please. So I can go ahead and like anyway. But those smiles are real from those down home inbred. We've been here for like, you know what I'm saying? That shit is real, dude. The you're not welcome here, but we'll let you pass kind of thing. Also, where are you staying? That bullshit. Like, I'm talking about dudes without clothes on fishing, and I've got like 17, 18 year olds in my car. You know what I mean? It was it was a weird time. Anyhow, so there are cult signs everywhere with these little symbols everywhere. Mm-hmm. This isn't the story anymore. This is yeah. back in Malin, by the way. <laughs> Everything was fine. Everybody, I, There's just fucking pentagrams no, I got all a, over the woods. I, your boy got everybody home safely. We had a great weekend. It was great. Um, but were you following the Blair Witch? Right. So <laughs> cult signs everywhere. Um, somebody throws a pig head at the car that jessica is driving i'm gonna just say officer lauren from here because yeah um, there's only one now because there's only one now there can only be one with that whole piggy 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 thing and it's like ah, great okay i used to say that when i went to cops when i was your age you know Mm -hmm. that whole that whole joke right um but it is creepy i mean we're in some like resident evil like silent hill kind of shit like with the lighting and like the weather 
and, and it's uh, a pig let right, notably right. it's just a mm. baby pig that they smash into that who fucking does windshield. that who does that <laughs> who does that that's like cashing in an investment like two days after you make it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a little bigger than it was. Let's go ahead and get out now. And notably, you know, uh, by the end of this movie, when I when I saw the piglets and the pigs throughout, it felt very like, oh, it's a cop. I get exactly. It. You know, but that was such a great like red herring for like. Pigs are dirty. Pigs are filthy. They are like the like Jews don't eat pigs. Cultures you know love I mean? pigs, dude. <laughs> There's something about it. There's something symbolic about this slaughter. It's something animal. about the way they right. scream for the low god. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like it, it symbolizes the killable, fucking serviceable animal oh, that exists purely for that purpose. It right? makes bacon. It's super killable. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's exactly where I'm at. That's why I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm just a dirty little Christian boy. <laughs> I'm a dirty little Christian boy. I didn't make it in youth leadership for very long. Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh, so we get to the old police station, right? Yep, and, this and is a decommissioned police station. There's black mold everywhere. Right. This is cl- this is the last shift, and mm. I cannot believe. That I feel like Anthony de Blasi was like driving mm-hmm. by a decommissioned police station mm-hmm. or just an abandoned mm-hmm. school and was like, that seems like a free set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I, and I, I fucking right. felt that it I'm came ha- with the mold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't special effects, right. baby. <laughs> yeah. Do not go into holding. No, seriously. <laughs> Everyone's wearing an N95. <laughs> Um, but we learn very quickly because there's this really weird scene. I believe it's Officer Price. Officer Cohen is here at this Officer point. Officer Cohen. Mm. Okay. Cohen is the grizzled is the, veteran older yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's the Kevin Conroy looking guy. Yes. Yeah. He did look like Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Because he was having this like breakdown because mm-hmm. he's like kicking into a door that's open and he's yelling at it and it just like doesn't make sense he's throwing a basketball against the wall and like kicking it and shit. yeah that yeah, was a weird you flex know I mean? yeah. throughout the whole mm-hmm. movie like the basketball thing was weird to me right. i'm not even gonna lie and that was also in last shift there was a ball too yeah i think that was the ghost of kobe <laughs> <sighs> dunking on him <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I made it through a conversation about fine, like going to the grave of my father. <laughs> and here we are talking about dead Kobe Bryant, and I'm getting emotional. So it is what it is. Well, I'm kidding because this is about Jessica Sula's character. So this is clearly a WNBA movie. <laughs> I only made the Kobe reference because I don't God know damn. anyone who plays in the WNBA. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, Jessica Sula, if you're listening, I apologize on behalf of my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> She's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're going to jail. <laughs> We're going to jail, dude. We're going to holding. So while we're actually in holding, right? Uh, you know, she's pulling him away, and he has this really crazy moment where he, Officer Cohen's like. Walk down the hall. Turn around. 
don't look at me. And I'm mm. like, what are you masturbating? <laughs> she like turns around to leave. I did not say walk away. I'm not done yet. <laughs> and white people really be like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> white cops especially. Oh my God, dude. Uh, so. I asked for your license, not your insurance. Put your fucking hands up. I'm sorry, daddy. Right. <laughs> so, uh. They wind up going back into, like, the main office, if you can even call it that, yeah, at this the, point. Yeah, the front desk yeah. or whatever, yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of, like, falling apart in there. And, and he's just like, all right, well, nothing's going to happen tonight. Don't fucking call me. <laughs> My notes say he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and she asks him about the basketball, too, and he's just like, I don't play basketball. <laughs> Is that a WNBA joke? <laughs> <laughs> the key line from this this exchange here is to, and we've talked about it already, so it's not really a spoiler, but mm-hmm. it's stay out of holding. Okay. Mm-hmm. So naturally, she does some exploring. <laughs> She's in the uh, the locker room, mm-hmm. and it's just funny because all I can think about is Homeboy's penis, which weirdly comes back up mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Because nobody wanted to see that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Except the dude who's fucking him later. <laughs> it's always the mustache, man. It's <laughs> He's making fun of me because I'm trying. <laughs> I just need my mustache to fucking connect in the middle and I'll be good. That's all I'm waiting for. Everything else looks great as far as I'm concerned. I've got this weird like Clark Gable thing going on. I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's okay. What the fuck is a Clark Gable? He's an actor. Okay. Yeah. What the fuck is an actor? <laughs> Hollywood doesn't know. Yeah, I know. Mark Pay that. your fucking yeah. people! Yeah. Everybody deserves to get paid. I don't care if they're talking about $27 million a movie. I don't care if they're talking about livable wage. I don't care if they're talking about anything that they're talking about. You have a obligation as a you know institution to make sure that your workspace is safe for everyone to live their lives with uh you know i don't know i'm trying not to go off, off on this diatribe right that's now that's fine but like, I'll, I'll go I'm on the record super... as saying bob Iger has sex with cats <laughs> aristocats no <laughs> i am super <laughs> blown away by everything that's going on in hollywood right now because i just can't believe that we are legitimately having this conversation right Mm -hmm. now so all of our actor director producer everybody friends that work in the music or music industry in the movie industry you can tell i'm like fucking like still traumatized Um, (laughs) make sure that you are uh, taking care of your people or at the very least having mm-hmm. these conversations ahead of time and saying that hey you're not going to get paid for this sorry yeah. so we can establish those parameters ahead of time yeah you know no to- false expectations here kind of things totally right. and it's just not the same as saying a producer for disney mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> whose oh. salary last year was what i think i mentioned it already 27 million dollars man I could have bought 13 Ferraris. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you could fit so much spaghetti in this budget. That's not a reference. That's just one of John's favorite memes of all time. <laughs> I gauge everything by how much spaghetti I can fit in it. Do you? Okay, cool. That's good to know. How much spaghetti do you think you could fit in me? Let's see. Did that get to... Uh, I'm going to go with probably... 45 spaghetti. No, <laughs> you're talking about individual noodles. I don't know. Now. I don't know what the fucking you know. So I, I would say that I could probably fit 
uh, let's say cooked, is probably going to be about 13, uh, actually probably close to like Uh 15. Because you're tall. Right, yeah. Uh, It would have been 16 last week, but I am losing weight. So that's... (laughs) Uh, We're going to say 16, fully cooked, Berea angel hair. (laughs) She ends up in a gymnasium. Right. There's a. <laughs> Would you like to play a game of basketball? Basketball. <laughs> lights go out. Lights go back up. Figure. You know. Figure disappears. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We're still hearing voices and mm-hmm. whispers, and I, I am a slut for shit like that. Mm-hmm. I really do like mm-hmm. that part of uh, creepy. <laughs> right. And then a bell ring. The front door. As oh it my were. god. Right. This Guess is- who's there. A homeless guy. Nailed it. <laughs> he's like, you gotta let me in. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she start, she turns around, and then she just starts to hear this trickle. And I guess, I don't know. I guess how water movement works. Mm-hmm. I guess he just pulls his dick out and just presses himself against the glass doors in the front, and he just starts peeing, (laughs) just releasing his bladder underneath of this fucking door frame, and she's just like, fuck me, man, like... She's like now going to find a mop. She comes back. Oh, mm-hmm. he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> she turns back around and he's just like standing behind her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, I fucking locked that. He's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> so does she not throw him back out at this point? I feel like she she kicks him back out and he makes his way around later. Through the back door, correct? So she does that while, or that happens while she's cleaning it up. Right, okay. And now we're going back into holding. We put him in holding, and he's just like, don't put me in holding. She's like, fuck you, (laughs) (laughs) because I have nothing else to do in this barren wasteland. Guess where you're going, then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then while he's in holding, she gets uh, the call mm-hmm. the first prank mm-hmm. i put prank call I did too. yeah <laughs> because it's coming off that way it's a lot piggy 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 it's that shit again right oink, oink. right <laughs> you said that like donald trump like yeah. in trump voice oink. <laughs> you're a pig <laughs> you sit pig. down sit down oink <laughs> okay <laughs> that's where we're at so she she ends up making her way back into the lock. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> First of all, I'm not the one that shot the lock. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> she shoots the silver lock off of the locker. And inside the locker is absolutely nothing except for a uh, uh, a floorboard, for lack of a better way of putting it. If you guys want to know why Eric is laughing so hard right now, you should join our Patreon, and that's how you'll get access to what the fuck I just said. It's less than a gallon of gas a month. Inside the floorboards of the locker is a shoebox with old photos, uh, clippings, and things of that nature mm-hmm. from the uh, crime that happened with the Malum flock. Yeah. Okay. And I like the terminology for that. The I flock. do too. The flock, because there's the uh, lead my sheep kind of connotation yeah, of that. Right? Absolutely. Um, the main thing is that there's a photo of her and her dad, and it is covering up a uh, 
a uh, flash drive, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we okay, this is obviously important. We're going to steal that, right? Right. Where I think in the in last shift, the files were just like in a folder yeah. that was like on right. <laughs> on mm-hmm. his main screen. So, so this is already establishing depth and depth 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 and story in the sense that there is something that is not universally known that this is trying to either be covered up or is not known by everybody else right totally. so this is a secret and this this is actually like one of my favorite parts because when we were talking about it earlier like yeah there was like a little bit of jumping between different cameras mm-hmm. of stuff this one goes from like found footage to being there to being cop footage, to being 4K camera, mm-hmm. and they kind of jump all over the place. Security camera. But I think yeah. it keeps you more engaged, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because it gives this sense that like there are multiple forces at play all at once from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Count it. Count it. <laughs> Not the low god. <laughs> Count it. Uh, there's a pig outside. A literal pig. A proper pig. A proper pig. Yeah. That has the uh, emblem in blood, mm-hmm. not etched into it because mm-hmm. they're not monsters. Right. Yeah. 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 Of course. <laughs> um, I'm assuming that's human blood that was on his back. Probably because the pig is named Betty, which is incidentally the name of the victim. Mm-hmm. Right. 100%. So she ends up calling the main station and is like, uh, there's a pig. Yeah. You know, and he's like, nah, I don't care. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> and actually, that that was one of my favorite parts about the call was the correspondent was like, did you see what the, what our fucking station looked like earlier when you were driving over there? And I'm thinking, yes, yeah. she did. Yeah. She had a piglet thrown <laughs> in her car. <laughs> and I found her mom. Hey, sorry that these people are being mean to you right mm-hmm. now, but we've got actual shit to deal what with. What I need you to do is just keep it together. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to need you to shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) So I was wrong. He was not in holding Mm -hmm. yet. However, uh, when he is making his way into the building, we assume, we assume, uh, is what's causing some of these sounds. She's going through uh, like different parts of the station. And guys, I wish you could see the look on Eric's face. (laughs) What we saw all the mannequins. (laughs) I also just but, don't understand why those were in the fucking precinct. Dude, I don't do mannequins, bro. I, I don't do mannequins. I played Dark Souls 2 this morning, and I went through the fucking tower where you got to fight the mannequins, dude, at like 7 a.m., and I'm just not comfy. I, I just died. I'm just not comfy with that. I'm just not comfortable with that. That is genuine, like, irrational fear inside me is mannequins. I mean, they're creepy. Yeah. I'll definitely give it that. I don't like it. There's a movie I could show you that I won't because we are friends. We'll at the watch end it. Of the day. I don't, I, dude. Let's watch it. I'm gonna get you in a, a fucking snake pit one day, and you're gonna make me climb down like a fucking single level suburban roof again, and we're gonna both explore our fears. <laughs> Those are just not the same thing. <laughs> I did sit on your roof for like 20 minutes trying to negotiate whether or not to call my mommy. <laughs> I do want you to know that. <laughs> I'm just saying that and me being in a pit of snakes are not the same thing. You could call your mommy. What the fuck is she going to do? Get you out of the pit of snakes. What was my mom going to do? Get me off the roof. It helps. <laughs> okay. So your mom trying to get you down a ladder of a single story suburban home right, and versus... my and my hold on and my mom 
pulling eight boas off of me is not the same. Who fucking says there thing. are boas? They could be little fucking garter snakes, little like harmless little, you know, you know what I mean? Why? So they can crawl in my butthole and kill me from there? Sure. I don't think that's, I don't, I, I think you're like overestimating our snake pit budget here. But anyways, uh, mo- moving, moving on, uh, there is now a homeless man that gets moved into. He is being taken into holding at this point. The place where we dare not in, tread. Into the cell itself. Um, sh- he is either inebriated or just fucking, I don't know, homeless. So he can't walk anymore for some reason. I, he's like resisting going in, right? So she ends up like, uh, knock. Did she knock him unconscious, or does she just kind of like drag his like resisting ass into the cell? He was resisting because it yeah. doesn't really matter. Because what happens is, as soon as she enters the cell, the door closes behind mm-hmm. her, which was a ve- which was a surprisingly similar scene to what happened in last shift, right? <laughs> I wouldn't know because I saw this first. That's why I don't have <laughs> that's why I can safely say that I enjoyed this movie because I was I wasn't coming into it fucking loaded like half of y'all. Yeah. Also, ju- guys, just stop gatekeepies. Right. Like <laughs> her uh, flashlight is taken from her, or it's disarmed in some way because the uh, light is now being shined on her face, and mm-hmm. she's having that whole "just give me the fucking flashlight" conversation. Yeah. With Cinematography the was incredible in this scene. The flashlight then pans over to the man who is not holding the flashlight because that's how not how fucking geometry works. <laughs> so it's clear at this moment that there Critical is a Critical light theory. There is yeah. There is a white light. <laughs> there is a uh, third entity in this cell with them, right? As soon as that becomes apparent, we have our first genuine jump scare that actually got me. I'm not going to lie. That got me. The body's dropping from the ceiling, right? And I will say, like, right before the bodies drop, one of my favorite things is it was very, it was a very light whisper, but you get to hear, still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. fucking what? Mm-hmm. And of course, <laughs> right. like, I've seen Last Shift, so I already right. knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was so crazy to just hear that, like, because we don't know yet that and i'll go ahead and just spoil it now go for it yeah um the so part of what happened with the overarching story of the malum flock was the three biggest perpetrators which were like i guess his left and right hand Mm -hmm. females that were with john malum uh when they were all apprehended after the raid Mm -hmm. They all three killed themselves yep. in the cell together. Which is effective in the sense that we don't know that yet. And it's not mm-hmm. because I'm trying to undercut what you're saying. Oh, but totally. it's because at this point, we're still thinking the three girls. Right. If this is your first experience with this. Right. That rule of threes thing is effective here because it's a diversionary tactic. To totally. Like, to totally. keep you off of the trail itself. Because right? it, it's not a red herring. No. Because they are present- It's 100% true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is happening in yeah, front of you they're, yeah they're diverting you to the fact that they are about to tell you everything that's mm-hmm. going on which is super fucking like like the uh attention to detail in that writing in terms yeah. of how it would be effective for an audience seeing this for the first mm-hmm. time is, is is up there i'm me. definitely here for that style of storytelling i just think that that should be something that you're ultimately looking for right right we start to see the interrogation mm-hmm. right right 
um, some some uh, files from this very same facility. Right. And, and one thing I want to touch on, and I touched on it a little bit in our uh, slam episode uh, for people that were dumb and couldn't understand yeah. things that were happening and like story progression and writing and things that like make a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a point where uh, the interrogation, again, is jumping through all of these different mediums of uh of camera Mm -hmm. which i loved and there's one shot in particular where we're having uh the all of the interrogations are jumping between the three malum flock leaders between john malum and the two females that were uh on either side of running this brigade right but during john malum's interview played by cheney morrow Mm -hmm. who this scene was incredible chilling because of him his portrayal of a cult leader mm-hmm. in this scene guys like if you see that there's a bad review for this movie fuck that mm-hmm. and it's not even that this scene carried the movie mm-hmm. it was just like it was so for me this is where i was really invested mm-hmm. You know, this was this was the part where I was like, okay, this is a whole new world, <laughs> a murderous place I never knew. Right. And it was like, <laughs> nice. th- yeah, <laughs> th- there was a point where you look behind him because, you know, in any interrogation room, there's always the double sided glass yep. uh, so that, you know, DAs and detectives and whatever can kind of observe and all that kind of shit. Um, and what was incredible was. There was the faintest, I mean, faintest outline mm-hmm. of the low god mm-hmm. that like, it, it, and this is what I really love when movies do, because mm-hmm. I think it helps people that are what I just talked about, where because right. I'm one, I'm someone that I never look at the center of the screen when I'm watching a movie because I just assume mm-hmm. that there's always something happening on the exterior. Mm-hmm. And this was an example of like the if that you saw it if you were looking for it and then she like rewinds it and then like zooms in over top of it and you you get this sense of he was there the entire time here yeah yeah yeah, we're still fucking here baby like it was it was chilling Mm -hmm. it was a chilling performance it was a chilling scene the way they were shooting it, like, dude, I have fucking goosebumps like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like- <laughs> yeah, no, and, and that's that's how this is how you establish a big bad. Right. Yeah. This is this is really effective because there's kind of this untouchability. We don't know if he's alive. We don't know if he's dead. We don't know where he is. We don't know where he isn't. And that's mm-hmm. super important when you're alone in a fucking abandoned building. Right. To establish those parameters. <laughs> um not long after this, a uh, woman falls out of a car outside, and our officer decides to go investigate. And she turns out to be a. She falls out the car, calling me a night. motherfucker, yes. waving her gun at me. <laughs> Which she, is actually she, Anthony DeBlasi's wife. Right. Good. She describes her uh, role in, in society as it pertains to the Malum flock. She's the one that takes out the trash. Which I thought was very interesting. Which is a gross way of saying that she handles... Because the thing is, is like, they go on talking about, like, what they would do to children, what they mm-hmm. would do... You know what I mean? And this kind of thing. It's just like, ugh, it's grimy. It's, it's so fucking... Anyway. Because um, it really wasn't like that in First Shift. Like, right. we had that same character. We, we don't have that, like, pure evil. 
kind of element to it. You know what I mean? That like human level, just Mm -hmm. absolute fucking like disrespect or disregard for like cultural norms. Right. And I'm not like trying to take any respect from his name, but like she kind of felt like a Rorschach character. Sure. You know what I mean? Like she was here to fuck shit up and take names. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was so funny that like she just it it felt like that was her writing, but that Mm -hmm. wasn't her character. Right. You know, because, like, she sees the low god Mm -hmm. at one point behind uh, Mm -hmm. Officer Cohen, Mm -hmm. or Lauren, fucking Cohen, (laughs) behind (laughs) Officer Lauren, and she's just like, oh! Um, And she gives a little more evidence, uh, a little more explanation. She starts telling the whole story, right? Um, That the Melon flock hung themselves. Um, We're having a conversation. She glazes over and starts quoting something, like you said. Uh, and ends up being dismissed after having her breakdown, right? Like she, right. like Lauren is just like, get, get, I, I can't handle this right now. Like this is a little too on the nose. I should have left you outside, <laughs> right? Right. Marigold, right, that right. was her name. You're still on the clock. <laughs> Don't come back and do get my trap full. You feel me? <laughs> um. So we get another piggy call. But this time, the uh, information that is relayed is that Monica is still being held hostage, mm-hmm. right? And Monica being one of the three girls, right? right. Um, a little bit more insight into John Malum. Again, I'm breezing through my notes in the sense that I didn't take detailed ones. Um, but where it comes back to is in, is ultimately that all of this is going to be finished tonight. Yeah. Is like the end game here. You are, you are hours away from this, right? Yeah. And actually, uh, when she calls the station the second time, <laughs> she immediately calls yeah, she's base. Like, fuck, 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 <laughs> right, fuck. Right. She, so she calls the station, and the station's like, "Well, we weren't gonna tell you this, but you know the the names of the girls that you gave us have been abducted once again and have not been found since the party that they were at." <laughs> Turns out you're irrevocably con- connected to all of this shit and everything that, that hooker. <laughs> probably told you is 100 percent true how did you know there was a hooker (laughs) i am the hooker (laughs) night i'm just imagining you in fishnets on like 24th street see anything you like (laughs) you want to catch a ride But yeah, they all went missing tonight. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those like, oh fuck, what's real, what isn't? Who so, knows? Who doesn't know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that like everything has been suspended at this point, right? And, and is this the point? This does not happen in last shift, and this is one of the things that I really enjoyed. Is this where uh, the backup actually shows up? Not quite. Okay, this is where she discovers that the USB also has a file of the murder itself, um, and her mom ends up calling her, and it's one of those like, I don't, I literally don't have time for this kind of incidental conversations um she looks back at the laptop and realizes that now she's on the video that she's watching so this is happening supernaturally at this point we are now in the shooting range which is which is incidentally where all of the shit went down with her dad and everything the same Mm -hmm. the same exact place it's not a big precinct to begin with the uh, it's all where her dad did shit the targets on those wires whatever that's called i've never been to a shooting range in my life 
um, but they end up activating for whatever reason and um, moving towards her and that kind of thing. And um, there is a dude behind one of the targets for another quality jump scare mm-hmm. that you could probably see coming from a mile away. Yeah. Um, but it's another one of those good you're not safe moments. And nothing really happens here. But when she moves into the uh, back to like her hub, for a lack of a better yeah. way of putting it, <laughs> um, everything is locked at this point and she can't exit the premises mm-hmm. anymore. So she's locked in and she calls base again. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we get base and they just they're like, okay, we'll have somebody there in 10 minutes Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep. And uh, this is where (laughs) my notes say backup gay. Am I I right? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And weirdly, they're like sucking each other's dicks now. And guys, we're not like being metaphorical about that. I'm telling you, the mustache will tell you every time. No fat phobia, no homophobia, nothing. These guys were gay. <laughs> and I'm not talking 90s gay, guys. Right. I'm talking gay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so out of pocket, too, because, uh-huh. like, they were, they definitely had, like, the, um, like marriage relationship already because mm-hmm. he was like hey fat ass go fucking check the holding cell he's like i don't want to go check the holding cell yeah but i'm the top right yeah <laughs> take me to the top <laughs> so he ends up uh and i'm talking about price at this point he ends up taking her to where they have stowed her dad's shotgun that he killed himself which which great <laughs> For me, this is one of those things where that isn't information that anybody needs. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like anybody that's... that's There's still like brain matter on like, it. <laughs> like year one of mourning the loss of her father. She's already doing a crazy thing, which is working at the building that he was at when he died. A year later, which is already weird. Which, for all the problems that people had with this, like, like not just Malum, but, like, Last Shift and stuff, that's the weirdest thing to me out of This all is one that I this. feel like is a valid kind of, like, criticism of this, you know. Exactly. You know, <laughs> this writing. Um, I want to bleed where my father There bled. is no way. Actually, that's kind of some Viking shit. I'm not even lying. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. I'm not a Viking. I'm Irish. I don't know. Um, These are where the potatoes were my dad potatoed. <laughs> the shotgun's a potato gun. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shillelagh. Oh, the russet. <laughs> um, she ends up having a vision of John with a baby that he's baptizing in blood and having the chant and everything. And you come to realize that the baby that he delivers to the mother is like a 15-year-old version of her mother, implying mm-hmm. that that baby was her, essentially confirming that the role that she has to play in this is as some kind of Jesus figure, some right. sort of sacrificial lamb, right? She uh, is the offering to the low God. 100%. In so a context this... that we're going to get here in a minute at the very end of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she ends up letting the homeless guy out for some reason. Uh, I feel like he was making noise and she just wasn't feeling it anymore. Um, <laughs> Hudson, I'm if I let it. you out, will you shut the fuck up? I'm writing the movie now. Um, she watches the tape some more. Betty the pig gets out. Uh, Betty the girl ends up attacking she's in like this cool like fucking for anybody that's played like um any kind of horror survival game Mm -hmm. this like destroyed face mask thing that she's wearing is very cool um i have this we haven't really been calling out kills anymore but i have this marked as kill number four 
killing him or fucking. I guess four. we haven't been calling him out because they haven't happened. Give me some white claw and a veggie wrap, and let's see where he ends up at 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so Diane, Mama, ends up showing up and opens up about the truth and ends up handing the night figure over to her, you know, and everything. And this is where it's kind of like everything's very my world's falling apart right now kind of thing everything that i'm trying to resist acknowledging as the truth is absolutely Mm -hmm. the truth we have this sequence in the gymnasium do you Mm -hmm. want to expand on that at all with the fucking yeah yeah. actually uh i I did really like that because it was uh i really like watching failure Mm -hmm. in movies and not from like a failure making Mm -hmm. of the movie perspective but i like watching characters fail Mm -hmm. like that was one of my favorite things about the batman which Mm -hmm. i don't know if people after some of the reviews we've read of just movies in general i assume some of you didn't pick up on this but one of my favorite things about the batman was he failed Mm -hmm. he failed Mm -hmm. everybody because he sucks at being batman because he sucks at being batman whereas like in this instance uh, they take one of the last victims. Monica. This incidentally was Monica. Okay, this yeah. was Monica. Mm-hmm. So Monica gets executed mm-hmm. in front of Jesse. Uh-huh. And she's just like, what? Like, she's having, I mean, obviously, the the movie is super cerebral at this point. Mm-hmm. We're jumping between all uh-huh. kinds of... Flirting with, like, art house at this point, too. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, we're, for, we're in this for half a second, I was like, did Ari Aster make this? And I was like, no, it's 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 good. So... Yeah. <laughs> Four. Kill number, number five. five. Yeah, fucking execution style. Like, it was so savage. Immediately, we have the draw and fire. Four. Kill, kill number, number six. Five. Yeah, just keep the kill count. Cultist. Yeah, I got it at this point. It's yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and one of my favorite things, like, in this scene is when all of, like, the horde comes running from the darkness. They've just been here the whole time. They've just yeah. been here the whole mm-hmm. fucking time. And some of them are, have, like, the burlap sack disfigured mm-hmm. faces like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just regular ass people. Mm. Like for, some of them are dead. For all of our Soulsborne fans out here, this is a nightmare because all of these, <laughs> all of these are low level enemies, but they don't give a fuck what your poise rating is. Some of them are going to get behind you and swing anyway and interrupt your combo, and, and their that's attack how you speeds die. Are too high. That's how you die. This is how you die. Anytime you're taking on more than two, you're in a big, you're in a bind. You, you know, pu- you have pulled everyone on the bridge right 100%, now. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and you need to find where that kite is. Real quick. <laughs> That's the neat part. Yeah. Cap. There isn't there one. There is no kite. Um, it turns out that the person on the other line figured out that Diane, her mom, is there. And so there's this question of, how did you know my mom was here? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say your mom? <laughs> Here I was thinking it was us. And we and this this right. This is the part where we both go, Oh fuck. <laughs> and it's as it turns time. out Yeah. As it turns out, it was John Malam on the other side John's of the phone the, the entire line. time. Yep. It was me, Barry. Tonight below God comes. <laughs> Oh, okay. This is where mm-hmm. she's going on her like she's killing j- just the drive spree. Mode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I I will say before. <laughs> I love my next line. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, because I want you to explain the next part of this. But oh, one shit. of the things that I really loved, comparative to uh, last shift for this scene, is 
if we were in last shift, this is where the movie's about to end. This is like 45 seconds from the end of the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved, instead of like all of the burlap sack people coming in, like Dark Souls style. Sack boys. And her, her shooting like maybe one in the ankle. Yeah. Uh, there's just like, it it felt like Silent Hill and Doom. It, it's that shit that you she deal felt with. like a badass. Right. It's it's that shit that you experience in horror survival games where there are seven enemies and you have six bullets. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so there's this element of like there there has to be an element at some point of absolute defiance about your circumstances. And it's not that in the sense that like I have to be objective about this and acknowledge that i'm accepting that this is true about my circumstances it's that i don't give a fuck what my circumstances are i'm going out i'm yeah. going out in style exactly at point, right at this point we're going for tier points right <laughs> um where this movie picks up where last shift in my opinion and as somebody who also i'll be honest i didn't love last shift because i've okay. seen this first and i think this is going to be a really good point to make for like the, the order, gatekeepers the, out here right if you saw Malum first, you would have been disappointed by the way that Last Shift ended in the sense that what comes yeah. next is insane in mm-hmm. Malum. Because we've got girls hanging from ceilings. We have this incredible kill coming up here mm-hmm. where there is, uh, she ends up taking out a cultist, but there's a body hanging of one of the girls that was abducted. Mm-hmm. And this rope kind of fucking whatever. She can't cut it down. She can't cut it down. There's some kind of tensile thing going on. Ends up breaking the girl's fingers as she's trying to like re- relieve herself from the tension and the pressure. Mm-hmm. Squeezes her head. Eyeball pops out. And there's just this big ass fucking skull explosion that mm-hmm. happens, which is so crazy. <laughs> all over herself. All over uh, Jesse. Mm-hmm. And she's in the state of... I could Fuck. I could feel them throw the bucket so, of blood on so her. So <laughs> here's why this is effective. Remember what we started out with? I didn't save one of them. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yeah. Jess couldn't do it either. Yeah. Jess failed where her father failed in the exact same place because this is an echo. This and all is she had rhyme. to save was one of them. Right. The one that was living. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And it's just like, fuck. So this is so much more intense and so much more impactful in terms of what her role is for this overarching thing, because we've established that this is inescapable. This yeah. is an inescapable circle circle of events. Crucible is <laughs> what I was trying to say. Circle and crucible. I got tied up on it. Of events that is going to happen regardless. And you see it in um, Sula's expression on her Mm -hmm. face as she's acting through this scene where she completely accepts her fate at this point. It's Mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not fear. It's not sadness. It's not depression. It's just like, fuck, this is really happening, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's super effective directing and uh, writing in this in this case. Um, this is what I was laughing at earlier, is I just <laughs> have in my, in my thing fucking bulk and skull. So I'm assuming that what Hudson and Price show up at some mm-hmm. point here, um, kill number nine, another cultist, kill number 10 is one of the girls who will presume is a ghost girl or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like mark that as a 10 if you want to. Um, all of that I uh, she she talks to her dad at one point too, and I don't remember this sequence. I'll be really honest; mm-hmm. I don't remember this. But there's a line that I wrote down: "That's what cops do, <laughs> right?" It w- that was what old boy was delivering, right? Where uh, shoot people, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, think exact, I think that's, that's actually that, what that, happened. That's exactly what. I, <laughs> but that's what cops do: we shoot people. Um, the singing that's been happening this whole time is like elevated; it's getting louder, so we're getting closer. Another kill, another cultist. 
another kill, another cultist. She finds one of the girls. Uh, this is where I have written down amazing death. So I have, I apologize if I got this out of order. Um, but she ends up losing it. Um, she makes it into another room where there's this weird, like, barn kind of ceiling going on or something that I think was meant to be imagery uh, yes. from that vision that she saw from the day yeah. she was born and baptized or whatever. Well, it's it's a mixture because that's where everything was happening the entire time. That's where the people from the beginning and the tapes and the found footage were getting killed. Everything that has transpired on behalf of the low God from John Malum has happened in this barn. Gotcha. And I know what you're talking about because mm-hmm. that shot was fucking mm-hmm. incredible. And she ends up emptying her, her fucking magazine into the ceiling or whatever. I learned yeah. from fucking Moist Critical that you're not supposed to call it a clip. You're supposed to call it a mag. So I apologize that I've been doing it from, again, I've never been to a shooting range, so forgive me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it turns out that her name's being called. She hears her name being called. She ends up taking the shotgun with her. There are more cultists, um, and there are, like, cops that are on these entrail leashes. I can kind of consider these three figures that are here, like, these, like, priestesses, which and yeah. which I would imagine are, like, the ghost or, like, spiritual representation of the three girls that killed themselves at the right. you know, when they hung themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and everything. So, again, at this point, it's complete madness. We're in, we're in the territory of, like... All of this is just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> For, the, like, this movie is 100% yeah, cerebral it, it, at this it, point. I'm, my fucking, like, fucking ass cheeks are, like, <laughs> sucking up upholstery on the couch <laughs> and everything where I'm just, like, I'm, I'm literally on the edge of my seat because I'm, like, this is insane. We've gone through from, like, a kind of, like, creepy survival thing to, like, it kind of reminded me of, like, the ending of Hereditary. Okay. Where everything yeah. just goes to shit and yeah. everybody just kind of accepts it. You know what I mean? It, not yeah. not in like a lazy writing kind of way, but just in like a totally. This, this totally. is what my role to play is, right? Yeah. Um. So that's where kind of I was mentally. Um. But she ends up in the ritual room, and this is kind of like the closing scenes of the movie. Yeah. And John is on the throne that we see at the very beginning. Our boy Cheney, fucking right. Morrow. One more shout out to Cheney. Hail the dude. low god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the the important part of this scene that hasn't been explained yet mm-hmm. until this scene is Chaney Morrow's eyes open, mm-hmm. or John Malum, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, trying to avoid my boy crush. But because uh, <laughs> she takes the mask or the bag off of his face, right? yep. yeah, takes the bag off, and it is John Malum. And something that he explains is that. The low god has to have something to connect itself to to become a part of this world. Mm. And for John Malum, that character has been holding it the entire time. I think that's why we mm-hmm. see the reflection in the interrogation mm-hmm. room, but we don't see it anywhere else. Waiting for a proper host. And the host was to be designed. Right. And that's where, like, because they make the comment Through earlier. A generation of breeding. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which and is I, even creepier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> um, and, Range and, marriages are crazy, guys. <laughs> to tell you. And uh, it, it was, it was, it was great. It was crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I get locked yeah, up. Yeah. On the it, fucking, it, yeah. What I loved about this scene was uh, she tries to, like, break away because mm. we see one one last instance of resistance yeah she she runs through the crowd she runs back up to the main hall and this is again i think this is where she sees her dad yeah again Mm -hmm. and we almost like feel the fate of her Mm -hmm. to be her father's 
you know, Empire Strikes Back. Echo. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But it, it it was it was amazing. Like uh, Jessica Sula's performance in this scene uh-huh. was out of this fucking was borderline tear jerking for me too because i'm sitting here watching some it's just one of those things where you you've experienced and i'm not talking about on the scale of this movie is talking about at all and i really don't even make this mean to make this about me but when you see somebody accept the inevitability of their death yeah you know what i mean and watch that be painted across their face mm -hmm. right yeah and and like the the lack of resistance at that point that's the part that Uh yeah the accepting yeah, that's what fucking pulls your heartstrings apart. Yep. Um, again, this is another instance of our trigger warning, mm-hmm. so that's what we're going to talk about for a second here, um, is she sees her father, and there's like this disenchantment that happens with her, mm-hmm. and then all of the spirits that we've seen throughout all of this, and I think part of this is open to interpretation because it's like, were the gay cops spirits? Are they actually dead? Are they just remnants? Mm-hmm. Are they projections of the demon? Like, I really couldn't tell you. Because we see the demon. We see yeah. the low god himself approach mm-hmm. her with this. And this is something that, again, just didn't fucking happen in Last Shift. Yeah. And he's got this fucking, like, this, this pentagram mask, which I thought from a design standpoint, I whoever did it. the costuming and everything, who came up with oh. that idea, fucking genius. Because this shit takes her in sort of a Majora's Mask kind of way. I don't know if you ever played that. Um, Me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so, my second favorite Zelda game. So what it reminded <laughs> me of was the way the mask consumes you. The way the Zora takes over. Right. <laughs> And you have that, like, fucking just, like, it, it, or, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because uh, anyway. his face detaches from his body. And it's not his face. Because yeah. his face is underneath that mask. And that's what that that's the yeah. transference of the consciousness of the entity itself is mm-hmm. existing in this object, which is some really hardcore culty shit. You know? <laughs> um, and it sends her into this place where she's back in the hallway. We get that monologue from John where he's mm-hmm. talking about everything, which is, again, Chaney Morrow doing his fucking thing. Yeah. Right? Delivering some amazing writing but doing it in his way yeah and again he did not get enough credit for this movie i don't think he got any credit for this movie based on the reviews that i read which yeah, is shitty fuck that um but she's across from uh, i forget who she's actually fighting but she ends up getting into a scuffle with somebody who she pulls a trigger on it it ends up being her mother right with the shotgun if yes. i'm not mistaken yes. right yeah, yeah for yeah. kill number 14 and then as she realizes that it's her mother and she's back to normal, she's back to her normal self. Normal. Right. She <laughs> ends up following in her father's footsteps and turning the gun on herself for kill number 15. And then, like, again, I felt like there was just time that de Blasi felt like he had to kind of play with some scenes. Because mm-hmm. she blows her brains out. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, a solid minute and a half of just, like, all of these entities that we just talked mm-hmm. about, uh, cultists, past and present, people that have been all throughout the movie mm-hmm. are just laughing at mm-hmm. her. I don't know if you did you ever see Evangelion or Evangelion? I forget how I'm supposed to pronounce that. I know um, Evangeline Lily. Okay, no. Um, there, there's that, there's that uh, sequence at the end where they're all clapping. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations. 
congratulations. That's what that shit reminded me of. Is exactly (laughs) is you made it to the end of your journey and you've learned what you're supposed to learn. So here's my question: And do you think that her turning the gun on herself was her last ditch effort to remove the low god from existence? Because it because it had taken her was that her attempt at removing it? And if you do think that, do you think the same can be said about her father doing that to himself as an attempt to stop it from happening? Which would in turn imply that this is going to continue happening despite her best efforts to prevent it from being one hundred percent all okay. both. Okay, because okay. I, I definitely uh, and I think that's like a trope that gets overlooked a lot mm-hmm. in horror movies, uh, especially when you do it at the beginning. Yeah, like that was that was an example of him trying to stop the cycle, and I think that's right. absolutely what she was trying to do as well. Because you look at Movies like, uh, Fed, just off the top of my head, Fede mm-hmm. Alvarez's uh, 2013 Evil Dead, mm-hmm. that one's a lot more obvious because mm-hmm. the first thing you see is like this possessed girl mm-hmm. or whatever, and the dad has to kill her mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, at what level is that moot? Mm-hmm. You know? I, and, I agree. And, and it's obviously something that these characters are not meant to be able to comprehend. You know, and I I think that it's it's crazy to think that the 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 only thing I will say on that point mm-hmm. that feels interesting to me is the very end of the movie is her being dragged onto the throne next to Cheney yeah. Morrow, and they show it as like she's just kind of like Ugh, and like bloodied in the face and like obviously she is still uh, the. Uh, caretaker, I guess, yeah, yeah. of the, the malmanic demon yeah, or yeah, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. I can't even believe I said that. Nice. I don't think it's a word. It is but... now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do, I do really think that it's a, it's a last ditch effort, and it's something that's so human, and it's the last human thing that we see. There's in this movie. enough of her left that she would make that decision based purely mm-hmm. on the, like the, the, the acknowledgement that this is very real and that I can do something about. It. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like that was, and this isn't a criticism of de Blasi's style, because I feel like it was left deliberately open-ended for people to debate if they cared enough about debating it, which clearly people did. Um, I, I feel like the open-ended nature of that is what's so powerful about this, because it's that same concept of very literally, as a police officer, are you willing to lay your life on the line for duties that you have to perform? I feel like right. that, that may be a little bit like far-reaching and that kind of thing, but that was like the concept that I felt echoed from the hero cop trope as well yeah. throughout this whole thing. And granted, it's her first day, but is she going to be the savior? Or is she going to be the fucking, you know catalyst through which this can continue to happen sure and and you were talking about her ending up on the throne and that kind of thing it's one of those sequences where i don't know i don't know it's the top spinning at the end of inception right we don't know did he make it did he not make it well it wobbled so right you know what i mean i i agree nolan has even said that he was fine that he made it back to the you know the surface but that's that's because if he was in a dream it wouldn't have wobbled right and so (laughs) right which again i felt like that was obvious but that's what i'm saying is i feel like this is obvious too and i feel like like yeah. because of the open ended nature of the of the ending of the movie, I feel like that's up for discussion, totally. which is fun. But it's also one of those things where I love the concept of the sacrificial lamb being willing. 
and not chosen but like being the kind of character that would like choose to in their own life on their own terms for the sake of the greater good okay i see what what you're saying yeah i know what you're saying now the way you started that i was like i don't think she really wanted this (laughs) yeah no i know she didn't want this 100 percent, and she was planning on making it to day two certainly (laughs) as any of us do who start new careers (laughs) you know that's a hell of a she was an emt the (laughs) next day <laughs> right. She lived the rest of her life as a pig farmer. Yeah, <laughs> um, there are apparently plenty of those to go around in wherever Middle America comes, <laughs> but it, it's neither here nor there. Anyway, I suppose if you're listening to this and it's extended format, you're a patron. So first of all, thank you for being a patron. We really appreciate that. Um, if you're listening to this in short format, it's you've missed probably thirty to forty-five minutes of content. <laughs> so um, if you want to hear uh, all the. <laughs> All the, fucking, the colorful language. Yeah, the colorful language that we used in this. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things for me, dude. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm skipping the Patreon plug. I'm not the plugger. I don't give a shit. But it's one of those things for me where I really feel like had people seen Malum first, they would have a completely different impression of this movie. And I don't know that that's a failure from de Blasi's standpoint or just the ineptitude of the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, but being unable to separate these two or simply put Malum in a box as being nothing but like a cheap cash grab for people that were into last shift is undercutting this movie tremendously. It has so much more to offer than, Mm -hmm. than than last shift did. It also has so much more to offer as an individual movie separate from it. And if you have the, um, the now to, to like, (laughs) to like make those if you are (laughs) capable of separating them into two completely different entities i feel like you'll be able to see what i'm talking about from an artistic Mm -hmm. from a writing directing cinematography acting plot development standpoint that this is just a better movie it's just it just is i'm sorry it's just i i know that totally i love the original and again i'm i'm a huge I'm a huge like antagonist in the realm of remakes because I feel like you can't you can't remake a, an original movie without doing a better job. If you're yeah. going to remake something and you do worse, you're just fucking the last airbender. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's just where that's just where you are. Um he shoot, who shall not be named. But this just I I'm looking at it from every angle. I'm trying to take everybody's impressions and everybody's words into consideration when I say this. I don't know how you can sit there and say that Last Shift is a better movie than this. Yeah. I don't I don't believe you can. I, I if you have personal preference or subjective like insight on that that I'm not picking up on that, that's great. Mm-hmm. Or objective insight, but it's just I it's not there for me. Yeah. I think this is an excellent movie. This is one that I will absolutely watch again because it's so detail oriented. It's so dense with con concepts and writing and acting, like I said all that shit earlier. It's just one of those things where I feel like it can't be experienced one time. And if you're one time experiencing this is just serving for you to be the kind of person that's like, It's not as good as the original, you are missing out on something, you know, and that just sucks. So I feel bad for you guys. That's all I got. I think I'm gonna say something uh from the perspective of someone who watched last shift first that oh, i think is pro- i think it's actually really going to resonate with you okay, honestly good. yeah uh because it's one of those things for me where when i watch something that has source material as a comic book reader mark that yeah, yeah mark mm-hmm. that uh mark that for eric mm-hmm. <laughs> uh i think that so first of all i love last shift mm-hmm. i've already said that in in this uh episode so far 
I loved Last Shift so much that I bought Malum before we watched it because I knew that this was going to be a great fucking movie. Right. When I watched Malum, and when I compare that to being a comic book reader, and again, something that has source material in any form, what I'm looking for is Easter eggs. What I'm looking for is the compare and contrast. I'm looking for what's going to separate the two like you were just Mm -hmm. talking about. And yes, I do think that Malum's a better movie. And I think that uh, de Blasi probably thinks the same thing because he got to tell his story. Because he released it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys now. um, If you're going to tell me that Detective Comics 27 is better than anything that Batman made in the New 52, Mm. go fuck yourself. Mm. Sorry. I Mm. love Batman, too. More than anything mm. else in this world, but you're not going to tell me that the story writing was better in 1939 than it is in fucking 2015. Right. There's just more to play with. Right. You can say, you can curse now. You can make characters gay. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You Markers can't... are better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite way that this was ever put was by Donald Glover. Uh, he was talking about hip hop in general, and he, <laughs> he was like, "I hate when uh, like old heads like walk up to me." He's like, "Man, this is when the best music was made. That was the best music." And he's like, "But they were like, well, I went to the hat store and I bought myself hat. Ha ha! Like, right? <laughs> exactly. No, that's not better. Exactly. Exactly." <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Little, I, little Wayne got up on stage for Dr. Carter and mm-hmm. said, slap that bitch like a yeast infection. Fly go hard like geese erection. You can't <laughs> fucking tell me that they're on the same fucking level. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and not to just like start quoting our favorite line, like punchlines yeah. or, rap or anything like that. But one of my favorites in the last couple of years has been from Logic. I know Logic is like an unpopular opinion, like being sure. a fan of Logic or whatever. But I'm like reading Nostradamus at 90 degrees. You better know I know how to turn a profit with ease. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Come on. We are not the same. Uh-huh. I am a Martian. <laughs> right. <laughs> and approach my phantom doors with caution. Like, we're at a point where, especially, and again, like we went over this, so I'm not going to fucking keep going on and on about it but we went over this in the slam episode it's his fucking material let him do what he wants to do with it period my man literally said i have the budget to do what i want mm. with the story that i wanted to do mm. originally do not take that away from but me. <laughs> it was that taylor swift has released like four of her albums again yeah. under her under her like like I'm in control of this. I want to do it like Taylor's and version and that kind of thing. Crazy. And so like everybody's going to be like, well, those are different circumstances. Taylor's like w- was dealing with management and dealing with it. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. That's what my point is. It doesn't matter why somebody remake remakes what they want to remake. It's their intellectual property and they have the right to do so on their terms. Period. 100%. That's where. The, that's where. The, so if you want to call this a cheap cash grab, that's that's your prerogative. You're also just fucking wrong. Yeah. It's, you know it's, what I mean? It's entirely so, within it's, your right to be wrong (laughs) this is a better movie i'm sorry and it's not a giant it's not a giant leap or anything like that uh if if we're going back to our old rating system last shift could be whatever and malum could be like one more than that sure it's it's not like a huge like 
fuck Last Shift. Or I'm not coming at it from that angle. Because Last Shift was know, good. It was a great movie. Yeah. It was just a great movie. Again, I just have the experience of watching them backwards. Mm-hmm. So I have my preference. And That's I feel a like, nine-year right. difference. Right. That's not only like an innovation in their budget mm-hmm. and storytelling and writing. That's an innovation in what is available in media for CGI, practical effects, Everything else in between, that's a huge fucking difference. And everybody that's listening to this that's a creator of any any kind, think about where you were nine years ago as a creator. Fuck your budget, fuck your medium, fuck your like technological advancements and everything. Are you a different and better creator now than you were nine years ago? If you say no, then you need to stop creating content. Yeah. Because you haven't grown or evolved as a creator or an artist or whatever. Yeah. Stop. We're better just in this season. <laughs> right. You know what you I know, mean? Exactly. Like- <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So let the man do what he wants to do. Here, that's just where it begins and ends for me if that's generally like not generally genuinely what your criticism of this shit is mm-hmm. you don't have a foundation in my opinion for an argument that's just your personal preference seeping into the logic or like the truth mm-hmm. of this right and if and for some miracle if anthony de Blasi is listening mm-hmm. right now i just want you to know dude that i cannot wait to see what you do next 100 percent Again, I loved Last Shift. I loved Malum. I cannot wait to see what you do Because next. like I said earlier, Mr. DeBlasi, this is one of my top 25 horror movies of all time. And there's a lot of horror movies. Of all time. <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Genuine jump scares. Great plot. Great story. Incredible mm. acting. Terrifying, like, just moments of, like, conceptualized fear (laughs) you know what i mean and shit like that that just sticks with you it's one of those things where i can have this conversation a week later having only seen this movie once Mm -hmm. and be as emphatic about it as i would have been an hour after watching it you know and so it's just i i feel like it leaves a lasting impression i feel like the art is what it is and it just it's just better than most shit like it's just better the one thing that i really do want to say about this movie was the dialogue. The dialogue was creepy when it was supposed to be. It was fucking hilarious when it was, mm-hmm. when it was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was concise and told the story as it needed to be done. So for anybody who wants to talk shit about Malum, mm-hmm. I'll see you on the next hater episode. I'd drop this mic if it wasn't so fucking expensive. If your laptop wasn't immediately. <laughs> I got you. Yep. I agree. Thank you for this one. Thank you for the recommendation on this one. 100%. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we uh, I think we got it. Yeah, man. Well, thank you guys once again for joining us. We're at Creeks and Cracks, and we laugh at the creatures that go bump in the night.